Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This is Cougar Sports with Ben Krennel on ESPN 960 and 94.5 FM. And it's time for the Cougar Beat. Getting the dish from the local reporters that cover BYU sports here on your Cougar Sports Insider Radio Network. Welcome back to Cougar Sports on ESPN 960. This is Cougar Country sitting in for Ben Criddle. My name is Brandon Gurney, formerly of the Desert News 24-7 Sports Network. Now I just kind of hang out with Criddle, co-hosts, write articles. We got Ron Weaver the third in the co-host chair. We got Caleb Christensen on social. We got Martin Kelly behind the glass. And we got Pulse Plumbing bringing uh, you your Cougar Beat report. Yeah, having a good plumber is a, is a big thing. Like, like I, I had a plumber I didn't know. Uh, I had toilet problems and all that, and, and I don't know what happened. And 10 minutes later, I was paying for an entirely new toilet. They leave, and I'm out 400 bucks. I'm like, what did I just pay for and all that? Uh, Pulse Plumbing is not going to be that. that they're, they're legit. They're straight up. You can trust them. Their mission is to attract and retain the best customers through clear communication, education, expertise in our craft, and custom-fit plumbing solutions tailored to meet who you where you are. Pulse Plumbing. Uh, PultzPlumbing.com. Uh, Mention Pult- ESPN 960, you get 10% off your order. Yeah, do that for sure. Anyway, Cougar Beat, we got one of my favorite guys. Uh, Cougar fans love him. We got Jay Drew of the Desert News. How you doing, Jay? Cougar fans love him? Yes, everybody loves day. you. <laughs> he said that made his day. There you go. You made his day, G-Man. <laughs> we just stay well, fat. I love Cougar fans back, just right back at him. Yes, we we just state facts here on ESPN 960, that's for sure. So, anyway, man, you're in it. You got basketball. You you, you got the spring practices starting. This is the busy time. Uh, March is not an easy time for, for BYU reporters. And uh, irrespective of everything that came out of uh, the spring practice session, and, and you know as well as I do that that, that first day, it's like, you know, it's just kind of a macro view. There's not really anything – all that newsy, but I thought what was newsy was your uh, interview with with Aaron Roderick. A lot of good stuff uh, that that you were able to pen for the Desert News. Can you kind of run down that article and kind of the notable things that you learned about this BYU team from Aaron Roderick heading into fall, uh, spring practices? Yeah, probably the biggest thing was uh, he made no bones about it. That, that it's a two man quarterback race, starting quarterback race between Bohannon and Brett Sloff. Um and uh, he also said they would like to probably find a guy maybe sooner than later, uh, as quickly as possible. Um, but, and so that was kind of a, a kind of newsworthy. Usually, and I still think it'll draw on into fall camp. But to have the coaches, and Kalani even said this yesterday that they want to get 
get a guy in as soon as possible. Um, I don't think they will, but, but for them to even say that is, is kind of remarkable. Um, you know, Aaron talked to me a lot about they still want some offensive linemen. They still feel like they need two, two more good bodies there um, out of the transfer portal or, or the JUCO ranks. Um, let's see, what else did he tell me? He, he talked about how uh, they thought the running back situation was pretty good. They, I don't know how to pronounce his name. Is it Pokai Hunga? Pokai Hunga, um, yeah, that's it. Yeah, Pokai Hunga. Yeah, yeah, from Tempview. Uh, he said, you know, he was a 2023 class signee. Uh, decided not to go on a mission, so he kind of gray-shirted last year. But, but they're really high on him, which is why they didn't really hit the portal hard for for a replacement for Aiden Robbins. Of course, they all, they have L.J. LJ Martin back and, and Miles Davis uh, back from the transfer portal. So um, he said they look, you know, they, they're pretty happy with the running back situation. So that was a bit of a surprise. Um, and then... Uh, Let's see what else offensively. Receiver, they think they're as deep as they've been in a long, long time. Really happy with what they got there. And then and then he also said uh, that Reiner Swanson was going to be great at tight end. And they, I, he kind of showed that yesterday, right? Reiner made a couple of really nice catches, like catches on the run where, uh, um, where he just snagged the ball out of the air and kept on running. A lot of tight ends, not just at BYU, but you'll see a lot of them or kind of they'll grab the ball and they'll go to the ground. And, I mean, there was an NFL tight end that played at BYU a few years ago that was kind of notorious for for uh, not staying on his feet. But uh, that, So that was pretty impressive that this freshman, Reiner Swanson, uh, was able to do that. So, um, yeah, that, that was a couple things that uh, Aaron Roderick talked to me about. And, and he was really candid. I, he, he basically said, hey, last year was not satisfactory. We can't repeat it. He didn't say, you know, jobs will be on the line if we don't repeat it, but I think that was kind of reading between the lines. Um, what I took from that is is this offensive staff is feeling a lot of pressure um, to perform this year. What's the biggest thing in your regard that this offense needs to improve on to, to take that next level? Like what's the thing they need to fix more, more so than anything else when you look at the landscape of this offense? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I'm no Einstein, a genius, but I, it's, Obviously, they got to run the ball better. When you look at the when they had Tyler Algier, they could run the ball. He covered up a lot of problems. Um, running game is a quarterback's best friend, and last year Keaton Slovis didn't have that. He was often, you know, called on to throw the ball way too many, far too many times than he should have. And then, even when they brought Jake Retzlaff in, and and there were, I think there were a couple games where Jake was the leading rusher on the team. You just you got to have a better running game, especially in the Big Twelve. I mean. Those games against West Virginia, Texas, TCU, Iowa State, I can just go down the line. They just could not establish a running game, and and uh, that puts too much pressure on a quarterback. And so uh, when teams are just laying their ears back and coming after you. So, yeah, that's the number one thing. I mean, is L.J. Martin the answer? You know, he did get hurt a little bit last year. He's not as sturdy maybe as, as some other guys uh, that they've had, um, but but – Aaron Roderick also told me that LJ looks like a different. He looks like a man among boys now. He just really did a nice job with his body and in the weight room, and, and so we will see. But, uh, but yeah, they they got to be able to run the ball. It all it all really starts there. It starts with that O line and being able to dominate in the trenches and and running the ball. And, and they just couldn't do that last year until the very end. And 
and they were competitive in the last two games, and a lot of that was because they started to run the ball a little bit better. Jay, you said you mentioned you said they said L.J. Martin looks like a boys amongst men. How big of a factor um, from your takeaways and your tidbits was the offseason for them in getting bigger, getting stronger? Because I was looking at Jacob Robinson yesterday and just some of the stuff he's posted on social media, and it looks like even as small as he is, he's putting on another 5 to 10 pounds of muscle. Has BYU, you know, just from what you've seen, matched or tried to get bigger and match that physicality going into year two of the Big 12 now? Yeah, and I think they tinkered again with their strength staff, and I think that's been an ongoing battle the last three or four years. Uh, one to get to get guys who can avoid injury, who can who can you know do the right workouts, the right training regimen to to keep guys healthy and to you know avoid so much soft tissue damage and other stuff, and then uh, and then just to get bigger, faster, and stronger. And I think it was. Uh, uh, Tyler Batty might have said that. I can't remember exactly. He said, somebody said that their this new staff is kind of um, designing workouts to fit individual players. That was Tyler Batty, kind yes. of a one size fits all. And he he compared it to like your work workout for Tyler Batty has got to be different than the workout for Maury Bamba. And uh, you know that makes a lot of sense. And I think they're putting a lot of emphasis on that. And uh, you know, you would, you would think they should have been doing that for a long time, but, but uh, you know, whatever. Um, but it sounds like that's going to really help them. And I noticed that, too. I, they weren't in pads yet, yet yesterday, but but uh, I think I turned to Criddle or somebody, and I said, this, this looks like a Big 12 team. You know, I don't know if I could say that last year, with the exception of a few guys. I mean, Aiden Robbins looked like a Big 12 player last year, and uh, – and I was kind of surprised that he didn't have a, a greater season than he did. Of course, he was had the the broken ribs, which played a factor. But but I, that's one thing that stood out to me yesterday is they got a lot of big boys. Some of these guys they brought in from the JUCO ranks, like Danny Saeeli and others, really look look like you know basically prototypical NFL linemen, as it were. So so I think they've made some strides there. Yeah, you said it before that. You give Kalani Sataki a good grade on recruiting and how well he's used to transfer portal. Uh, I want to go back to the tight end room. You mentioned it. Reiner Swanson was catching balls in stride. Keanu Hills made the jump. Looks like a beast. Phenomenal on the field, just his size. How dangerous is the tight end room going to be? Because the last couple of years, I think with just how BYU has utilized the tight end and hasn't performed up to par how they would like, how is it going to be now with Keanu now in the room? you got Ethan Erickson. Um, Reiner's taking reps with the ones and the twos, which I think maybe shocked a lot of people yesterday. But how, how crucial is the tight end room going to be for them to bounce back and get ball eligible this year? Yeah, I think it's going to be huge. I think I don't think it'll be kind of the strength of the team. I think you're going to have those receivers that's going to kind of be the go-to guys. But, you know, uh, Isaac Rex, uh, he kind of uh, peaked in his career a little bit. Um, love the kid and all that, but he wasn't as good maybe in the latter half of his career as the first, uh, and obviously had the huge, you know, major injury that, the, uh, you know, played into that. But but Jackson Bowers is another kid that a tight end that they'll be lying on a lot. I, I saw Ethan Erickson in a boot, so I don't. I'm not sure if he's going to be participating much in spring ball. But but uh, yeah, if BYU can get back to being kind of the the program, like in 2020, where they where Rex caught 12 touchdown passes, 
and and even before that with some of the other great tight ends that they've had, back to Dennis Pitta and obviously Johnny Harleen and all that. I think it can just really help them even open up the running game, take a little pressure off the quarterbacks. So uh, that's got to be a huge element to the offense. We've seen that with the University of Utah where Keithy and some of these other guys have come in and been really good. And I think BYU has to get back to that. I absolutely agree with you on the running game. And, and when I think about the running game and other issues within the offense, whatever issue in the offense, a lot of that, if almost all of it, can be fixed to a very large success, extent with a productive offensive line. Uh, offensive line can, can fix a lot of things for the offense. And that was obviously the uh, huge move in the offseason, getting T.J. Woods in there, letting go of Daryl Funk. Uh, what perspective can you give us on T.J. Woods? What have you learned about him, and uh, uh, what's going on there? Did, did A-Rod give you any tidbits, or, or what, what are we going to see different from the offensive line, maybe with how it's coached, and, and, and what do you know about T.J. Woods initially, at least? Yeah, I don't know a lot about him. I do know that A-Rod basically said that it was his call, that that uh, when, when they decided to let Daryl Funk go, that Kalani kind of turned it over to him. And A-Rod said he called some of his friends in the business, like uh, Andy Ludwig at Utah, and and asked them, "Hey, who, who have you worked with? That's really good." And and uh, and he and Andy Ludwig told him um, this T.J. Woods. They worked worked with him at University of Utah and at Wisconsin, I think it was. And uh, Kalani called Clay Helton, who was a Georgia Southern coach, and said, "Hey, uh, you know, what about this?" T.J. Woods, they really liked him, and they, he obviously he had coached here in Utah. I think it was at Utah State. So, uh, um, but I thought it was interesting that Kalani turned it over to, to A-Rod, uh, especially interesting because A-Rod is the, really the one that hired Daryl Funk. That was A-Rod's call as well, and, and that sort of worked out for a little bit, and then it didn't. But, uh, but um, A-Rod... You know, thinks this guy is really good. People have told him, hey, this is the best offensive line coach I've ever coached with. And so brought him in, and, you know, we'll see. It sounds like, uh, you know, people are already raving about Caleb Etienne, how in the last couple of months he's really uh, improved a lot with this under this guy's direction. So um, we won't really know until next season, until the season starts. But but uh, they needed a change. It was, I think, obvious to everybody. Um, I like Daryl Funk. I, he was always good to me, kind with his time. But uh, you know, I think I think last year they just there were some problems that were just too evident to overlook, and and you know they're getting a fresh start. One of the m- more interesting things I thought was the appearance of Gary Anderson at BYU's practice. Were you kind of surprised to see him there? And uh, what what significance is uh, having a guy like Gary Anderson around the program? Yeah, I, I, I am surprised. I know, you know, obviously, with Jay Hill and and Aaron Roderick and all the and Kalani's worked with Gary before at Utah, maybe even other places. So uh, I know those guys are all friends and they're all tight and stick together. Um, I, you know, I, I don't know what his role is going to be. Obviously, we've got to we'll ask Kalani uh, next time we see him. You know, is he going to be just like a consultant? Is he a volunteer? Was he just there? You know, did he just pop in? Um, but he was wearing a BYU shirt. He was wearing a like a BYU logo shirt. So, maybe maybe for um, the first time in his entire life, I, I'd imagine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, 
it's just so interesting. Coaching is so this whole cycle of what comes around goes around. You know, you just never want to burn your bridges in that business, and uh, you never know when you know when guys will pop up. Like, like I remember, I was surprised when Aaron Roderick, the kind of tight end, where was the OC, and all of a sudden we kept seeing Aaron Roderick just yeah. around the building and all that, and and then you know, lo and behold, now he's he's the OC. So. Um, that's probably how it works in this business is just, you just kind of never cut ties and there's not a lot of jobs out there. So when you get an opening like this, you, you take it, even if it is a former rival. Jay, that is going to lead us to our question today. What we talked about what former, I guess, football coach, you know, I guess consulting position with BYU or someone that's a retired or has BYU ties. Who would you like to see that has, you know, important value, you know, or a veteran coach to maybe come back and not necessarily coach at BYU, but to maybe help these guys out in whatever aspect it be. Who is someone in your book, you know, uh, G-Man mentioned, um, you know, Steve Young. I obviously took the, the easy approach of Andy Reid, but who is someone you think that BYU maybe could come in and help this program as they're now in the Big 12? Boy, yeah, that's a, that's a, uh, uh, Steve Young would be a good one. Obviously, Kyle Whittingham's out, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's imagine why you die. Yeah, uh, boy, I'm trying to think. Um, I've always thought, you know, Brian Keel would be yeah. a great recruiter. Yeah, and yeah. I, I don't know if he's even interested or or if he knows the X and O's, but just with his dynamic personality, I I always thought they ought to get him more involved in the program. I like that. Um, trying to think you know you got your max halls and john backs and other guys that are, are are still kind of involved in coaching in one way or another so those would come to mind but but as far as a guy that could you know could check a lot of boxes for you and it's just a real dynamic guy i, I just think brian kill could really help byu in some capacity yeah, he's definitely come on a friend of the program, and he was at the alumni game. I think he caught the game when a touchdown, not too yeah, long. Yeah, he like stole, he, like, it, stole so. it, stole it out of the <laughs> air. But I mean, I like that. I think Brian Keel is definitely someone who's made an impact on BB football as a player. And I like that you said he'd be good, good recruiter, especially for his position. Well, Jay, we'll get you out of here on this last question. And I know it's early. Uh, you might not want to give a take, but I'm going to ask you anyway. That's our job is to ask the question, right? Um, it's it's only week one. But at the end of five weeks, they won't make a decision. But who do you think wins this battle? Do you got Jake Retzlaff or Gary Bohannon? I, can, I think it's going to be Retzlaff. I think just uh, he's just a little bit safer of a pick. Um, I don't know. There's a long, long time to go in spring ball. But I just think, you know, those four games that he got last year on, in Roderick's system, um, I, think, I think I would give him the slight edge. But it's very slight. And people I've talked to are really high on Bohannon as a leader, as a guy that can rally the troops. And I don't know, Retzloff hasn't shown that yet. Obviously, they lost the four games he started in. But uh, I think Jerry Bohannon might be able to – I call him Jerry. i got to get that out of my head. It's, it's Gary. Gary. It's Gary, Gary, yeah. Gary, Gary. Um, I think Gary Bohannon might be that just that – the kind of that – intangible of being able to kind of get the guys to rally behind him um, might, you know, might tip it in his favor, but I think it's going to be really close. It's going to be a tough call. That's for sure. Thanks, Jay. Always love hearing from you. Love hearing your wisdom and all that. And we'll have to talk some basketball next time. Uh, 
basketball team has been tremendous. But, yeah, I appreciate your thoughts. And uh, thanks as always. Have a good day, man. All right, guys. Thanks for having me on. Jay Drew from the Desert News. And, and thinking about the, the quarterback race, I, I think what's going to beset Gary Bohannon as much as anything else is what's his skill set? Yeah. He's not a thrower. And I think if you're going to be a guy that coaches can think, yeah, this guy is obviously a better option than Jake Redslap, you're going to have to present a, a, a skill set through practices which are non-contact where it's very apparent, wow, we can do this with that guy. And I don't know if Gary Bohannon's going to have enough framework to prove that with, it, with, with how he's able to throw the ball. Maybe he's improved in that regard. Maybe he can show – better than Jake Resslap had thrown the football, but I don't believe that's going to be the case because both these guys, they're known as athletes. And get, uh, from all uh, reports, Jake Redslap has really improved in that regard. I don't know if Gary Bohannon has. Gary Bohannon has a fantastic skill set. Has, hasn't played. But this is a guy that was recruited as a linebacker out of yep. high school. This is an athlete, right? Then they thought he could be a safety. Then they thought he could be a wide receiver. <laughs> which is great, great on his behalf. He can do a lot of things. But not having that natural quarterback dropback thing that really, really separates him from Jake Redslap, I think is going to beset him throughout the competition. And that's why it's really hard to pick Gary Bohannon. If he came in and was like, yeah, this guy can he, – he, he can just riddle defenses with his arm. That's, that's his co- – oh, yeah, and he can run a little bit as well. Yeah, that, that would maybe be a more viable option. But given that Gary Bohannon is the, the athlete, but – you know, the arm strength's not not his thing. That 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 could that could tip it to Jake Redslap. I know we got to get to break, um, but and and I mean this in a nice way. I'm not trying to say this, but it's Jaron Hall without the arm talent. Maybe yeah. like is that is that a good like thing to say? Like Jaron was Jaron because of his arm talent. You take Jaron's arm talent away, I think you're looking at Gary Bohannon. Jaron was dynamic because he could throw the football deep. He obviously can make better, better reads. He's very accurate, so it's a lot more than just the arm because people are going to push back and say, well, that's not true, Ron, this. But I'm just saying, Jaron playing baseball, Jaron, you know, having a good deep ball, working with John Beck, good technique, all of that, and having the ability to run like, let's be honest, and Caleb, you're on the team, you know, you can share some more insight. They stopped letting Jaron run because he kept getting hurt. Mm-hmm. Like, and Jaron wanted to take off. I think Jaron wanted to take off his last two years at BYU. But I think the injury against Arizona State and, you know, the backup situation being weird lets the Notre Dame thing. So I think it's like, yeah, you shouldn't run. You can't put yourself in that situation. You know why I know that that, that is true? He stepped out of bounds. And, and, and I always pray to the father of the son, you know, the man above, and say, if this didn't happen, do you know what would have happened if he didn't step out of bounds in that Utah game? He pulls the ball and goes, and when he goes, I'm like, oh, you're not catching him. You're not catching him. And that was a 64-yard touchdown. Mm-hmm. They got called back, but he stepped out of bounds. And I wish the refs didn't see it because that's so, like, the way he gets up, it's different. And I'm not saying that Gary Bohan is Jaron Hall-esque in that regard, but Gary, when he played BYU and when he moves, he got to get up, man. He got to get up. And sometimes that can, that can make up a little bit if you, can throw the, if you can't throw the football as talented enough. I think right before we go to break, two things. One, I think if they would have wanted more of a, another stand in the pocket, launch the ball down for your quarterback, kind of similar to Keaton, like a dude that can move when he needs to, but like he's a pocket presence thrower quarterback, they would have gone and gotten another one of those guys, and they didn't. They wanted another another Jake Retzloff skill set, a runner who's a decent thrower who can make plays with his feet. And also, I think that the offense has kind of shifted 
away from this take the top off, throw the ball 70 yards. That's just not really the skill set that they have. I'd say outside of Chase Roberts and a little bit of Darius Laster, these guys are really more intermediate route receivers. They're crispy. They're going to break your ankles at the top of the route. They're running mesh and digs. They're coming across the middle. They're not just – there's no Dax Milne. There's no Gunnar Romney. You're not always looking for that 60-yard deep ball. So as much, I agree that being the exact same skill set, maybe a couple inches taller that Gary is than Jake, I think that that's what they want. They're not looking for this 6-5, take the ball 75 yards and just let it rip. That's not what they're looking for. Good stuff. It's March 1st. A lot to play out. We're going to be talking about it a lot because it's a big thing. But those are initial thoughts, some good thoughts from Jay Drew. Anyway, we got to go to break. Join us for more spring ball talk. We're also going to break down the TCU game with TCU's beat reporter. All here on Cougar Sports on ESPN 960.